What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me, as always, my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what's happening? Just uh, just another day in paradise. That's ready right. To, ready to talk some Dolphins football and then go right to sleep because it's been... It's been a very long day. Well, if the Dolphins play like they played last week against the Jets in their game Sunday morning against the Saints, maybe we could all just go right back to sleep. Uh, and we just call it an early day. I mean, the game kicks off at 9.30 Sunday morning as the Dolphins are in jolly old England taking on the New Orleans Saints. Technically a home game for the for the Dolphins, but uh, it's their final game away from South Florida before they finally return to Dolphin Stadium for their first actual home game of the season against the Tennessee Titans on October 8th. But uh, first they got to take care of the Saints and... You know, at first glance, it appears as though this matchup is not a favorable one for your Miami Dolphins. Just for a little bit of historical perspective, the last time the Dolphins took on the New Orleans Saints was a few years ago, and uh, it was in 2013, in fact. Drew Brees went 30 for 39 for 413 yards and four touchdowns. I guess the question that I'm going to start our preview show off with, Brain, is Drew Brees is Drew Brees going to better those numbers? <laughs> I I don't see how he could better those numbers. I mean, I guess it's possible. Have, have you but, watched this defense at times in the beginning of the season? Well, the defense, while it hasn't been great, uh, which you know that's an understatement, but uh, it hasn't been the worst part of this team. <laughs> it I certainly guess, wasn't. It certainly wasn't the worst unit of the team this past week um, and I suppose it's certainly and I suppose, not a great it's it's not a great matchup uh the Saints and and Drew Brees uh, I mean this is the best offense that they will have faced in the first three weeks of the season well Saints don't worry we're two weeks away from getting eight. the we're two weeks away from getting the Falcons so so let's not get too excited here <laughs> well, before we get there, we've got to focus on the matter at hand. And right now the matter at hand is the Saints. And it's not just that the Saints are a very good offense. They've got some balance. Um, Adrian Peterson hasn't played too well, but uh, still Mark Ingram averaging four and a half yards per carry you still got Adrian Peterson there, so you know that there's always the potential that that he could go off and look like his old self. But I think the more the more troubling matchup is probably uh, the passing game with with Drew Brees uh, passing to uh, not just Michael Thomas, uh, but they're getting. Uh, they're getting Willie Sneed back. Now, we don't know how much he's going to be involved. He uh, was ending for the first three weeks of the season, and he was just, you know, just getting reintegrated into the team this week, and they've been happy with the, the way that Brandon Coleman has played. They still have Ted Ginn Jr., and they like the element of speed that he brings to the team. To me, though, the most dangerous guy on this offense, 
at least from a matchup perspective, is a rookie Alvin Kamara, the running back, because that's where I'm where the Dolphins have had a ton of trouble is with their linebackers in coverage and and specifically covering running backs out of the backfield who are elusive, tough to cover in space and can get out there on these linebackers and really create mismatches. And that's what that that's what Alvin Kamara does. And no team threw to the running back more last year than the New Orleans Saints. And it's not just Alvin Kamara, but Mark Ingram can come out of the backfield. And I think this is a huge matchup problem for the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, the only, I guess, if there was a positive about the situation, because, you know, you've looked at these first couple of games from the Dolphins and, and their linebacker core has been a mess, I guess a little bit of positive news for them is that it appears as though the Lawrence Timmons saga has reached an end. His suspension lasted really just the one game because he he wasn't even around for the opening game. So he was suspended for the second game of the season. And now he's back active, going to be on the field for this week four matchup against the Saints. So how much is that going to help matters, I guess, is, is the question. It helps. He's he's definitely an upgrade over what they've had there and what they are, you know, trying to to figure out whether it's uh, whether it's Chase Allen or Stefan Anthony or Justin March Lillard. Uh, they don't have a lot of options there. And Lawrence Timmons is look, this guy is a starter in the NFL now. uh has he taken a couple of steps back in recent years in coverage? Uh, that's something that, you know, some people said when the Dolphins signed him is that this is a guy that's a little bit over the hill that has struggled the last two years in coverage. Other people said that it was more the way that the Steelers were using him and he was getting put into situations that really uh, they there was no way that he was going to win. And so his his numbers – uh, as far as his grades in pass coverage reflect that more than necessarily his ability. Um, that said, look, the Dolphins have been relying on Kiko Alonso the first two weeks to be their best coverage linebacker, and he's been picked apart. So now Lawrence Timmons gives them another option there. I think he's better than Kiko Alonso, but... If you think that Lawrence Timmons is going to come in and then all of a sudden the Dolphin that's going to fix all of the Dolphins' woes in the passing game as far as they're defending it, uh, I think you're mistaken. I think this is just – unless they change schematically, I just don't see how Lawrence Timmons comes in and just makes them worlds better. Uh, this is not – you know, one of the top three or four linebackers in the league that they're adding. It's it's a good starting linebacker. So uh, the outlook doesn't look good for the Dolphins defense. Uh, continuing this bend but don't break process against New Orleans. I, I my My gut tells me that the Saints are going to put up a lot of points in this game. I guess really the question, and if you're a Dolphin fan, it's the thing that is – 
really that you're really going to be looking for here is can this offense get something going? Because they were just completely lethargic and all out of sorts against the Jets throughout the entire game. And really for much of the game against the Chargers, uh, they didn't seem to really be a very cohesive unit. You know, granted, Ajayi had a good game and and they were able to string a couple of things together in the second half of that game and do enough to, to, to get the win. But, you know, let, let, we can't forget that they were a missed field goal away from being an 0-1 team. And, you know, if had they, managed, had they in fact, lost that opening game of the season, you'd be looking at an 0-2 Dolphins team with an offense that has been sputtering very much throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. So now the Saints are not a juggernaut defensively. Um, they they managed to do a good job against a Carolina team whose offense is also all out of sorts last week. But now they come in and they face a Dolphins team who presumably has spent much of the week working on figuring out how to solve their offensive woes. So, Brain, what, what, what can you tell us about what we can expect to see offensively from uh, the Miami Dolphins? Well, first off, yeah, saying that the Saints – are not a defensive juggernaut uh, is as much an understatement as saying the Dolphins are not a defensive juggernaut. The Saints, while they had some success last week against Carolina, who you mentioned, they've been out of sorts as well. Uh, particularly their pass defense. I mean, they were just ate up. They were eaten up the first two weeks. Uh, over 340 yards passing uh, by uh, by uh, Sam Bradford and company with the Vikings and then nearly 450 yards passing by Tom Brady and the Patriots. Uh, obviously they played better last week, but this is a secondary that has its holes. They're not, they, they're not a great run defense. Uh, Dalvin cook had a great game against them in the opener. Uh you know, they, they played a little bit better against the Jets, but there were holes for Carolina last week uh, as Carolina ran for over five yards of carry against them. So while the Dolphins may struggle defensively and while it's certainly a favorable matchup for the Saints when they have the ball, I think it's just as much a favorable matchup for the Dolphins when they have the ball. Of course, that depends on the Dolphins' offense actually showing up in this game. Uh, They showed some signs in the opener, but they seemed like they were held back by play calling a bit, and they just couldn't quite put put it together once they got into the red zone. And this last one, they were just completely out of it. They couldn't do anything right. uh, Jay Cutler couldn't throw the ball. Jay Ajayi couldn't run the ball. The offensive line couldn't pass protect. They couldn't open up holes. The receivers couldn't come up with big catches to help out their quarterback. They they couldn't even really line up right, <laughs> and they couldn't get the snap count right. They, they literally could not do a single thing right offensively last week. But from everything you're hearing out of the locker room and press conferences, Adam Gase is just going scorched earth on these guys. And he is uh, promising change. And the last time that Adam Gase talked about big changes 
was last season after the Dolphins put up a an embarrassing performance at home against the Titans. And they followed that up with a with a game against the Steelers that everybody thought they were going to lose by two or three touchdowns and it turned their entire season around. I think this is an opportunity for them to do the same. Well, you would this think. An, you would well, this think is so. well, this is this is an opportunity for them against a bad defense to find their rhythm offensively, to open the offense up a little bit and to find an identity. And that's not to say that they need to change so much of their identity because I still think at the end of the day they're a power running football team and they that the offense is going to be built around Jay Ajayi. But the passing game needs to be opened up and it's incumbent on not just Jay Ajayi, I mean not just not just Jay Cutler and not just Adam Gase as the play caller, but this offensive line has got to protect Jay Cutler. They've got to give him time to throw. If they give him time to throw, look, we talked all offseason about Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills being maybe, you know, if not the most talented trio of receivers in the league, certainly one of them. And through the first two weeks, it seems like they like like Adam Gase has been happy to use Jarvis Landry basically as an extension of the running game uh, to run routes five yards or less. That's not to say that Jarvis Landry has, uh, has done a bad job of it. And it's not to say that that's not a, something that is a valuable part of this offense, but I think it may be an underutilization of Jarvis Landry. Yes, Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills are probably – no, not probably. They are better downfield threats than Jarvis Landry. But Jarvis Landry can make them, some things happen 10 to 15 yards down the field as well. Not everything needs to be, you know, you know, a two-yard bubble screen, a, a screen b- behind the line of scrimmage, a little five-yard out, a, a, a three-yard slant. Not everything needs to be like that. Um, and – And part of the problem is, is that when everything is like that and you're going to it 10 to 15 times a game with the bubble screen, you're bringing the defense up. And if what you want to do is run the ball, you're not helping your running game by inviting the defense to come up. So I think what we need to see is we need to see a little bit more downfield throwing in the passing game to maybe open things up for the running game. Maybe use the pass to, to open up the run. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and the, and, and the idea is to establish the run early. But if it's not working early, you don't need to keep banging your head against the wall. Throw the ball downfield, hit a couple of big gainers, loosen the defense up, and then... When they've got seven guys in the box, when they're then worried about rushing the passer, maybe then you hit them with the Jay Ajayi draw, the Jay Ajayi counter, or you just punch them right in the mouth with Jay Ajayi right up the middle. You know, also maybe maybe an end around or two, uh, you know, something to to keep defenses honest, something that is 
you know, not just like the same three or four plays over and over and over again where it becomes very predictable. Now, in order to get anything like this going and to have any rhythm, you need to pick up first downs. You need to clean up the penalties. You can't have the false starts. You can't have delay of games. So obviously there's work to be done, but this is an opportunity for it against a bad Saints defense. And I expect the Dolphins with an angry, not just Adam Gase, but all the players were angry and embarrassed over the performance last week. I expect a bounce back from this offense. Yeah, I I, I expect one as well. I I can't, I just really have a hard time imagining that this team is going to come out and lay an egg offensively again this week. It just seems very much unlikely. Uh, And it's just a little bit of an opportunity for Adam Gase to prove himself here. Um, You know, this is a big... And I want to go a step further if if I can. Yeah, yeah. Not only, not only... Is this an opportunity for the offense to get going? But this is a honestly, the offense could be the team's best defense in this game. Because yeah. not only It's gonna be one of those games you, where keeping the ball and keeping the, the Saints offense off the field is going to be a big help to this Dolphins team. I, I mean I think that's part of it, but I don't even think it's about keeping the Saints off the field. It's about grabbing the lead and it's about playing from it from ahead as opposed to playing from behind because this Saints offense is so much more dangerous when they can be balanced. But if the Dolphins can come out and get ahead and come up, you know, we don't they don't need the defense to have some great game and. You know, I don't think anybody is going to come out there and expect this defense to completely shut down Drew Brees. But if they can play the bend but don't break and hold the Saints, let's say the Saints' first three possessions, they come away with six points. They come away with two field goals. And on the Dolphins' first three possessions, they come up with two touchdowns and a field goal. And we're talking 17 to 6 and the clock is moving and we get into a point where it's 17 6 and it's late in the first half. And now the Saints uh, probably go a little bit one dimensional. The strength of this Dolphins defense is their pass rush is Cameron Wake is in Dominican Sue, William Hayes. Maybe we see the rookie Charles Harris player in And if we can get the Saints one-dimensional, then, you know, then maybe we can throw some packages out there where we can put some pressure under Breeze and maybe confuse him with some coverages and maybe get some sacks. And then maybe the Dolphins can jump on the Saints and actually get a big lead in this game. And I think that's that's the way that the defense can have a good game is if the offense can put them in position to have a good game. Because if this is a close game, if this is a back-and-forth game, um, or this is a game where the Dolphins are playing from behind, especially if the Dolphins' offense doesn't allow uh, the defense to get any rest, which was definitely the case last week, then they're really putting the defense in a bad spot. Well, we'll... We'll see if they're able to do that this Sunday. Uh, it's, in the meantime, I think it's time for us to make our predictions for this game. So, Brain, 
Tell me, what is the score for the Dolphins Saints game? It feels so wrong for me to do this because I pride myself on being very objective when it comes to the Dolphins, and I don't want to be a homer. And it's so hard to be positive after killing this team for an entire week because they were so dreadful and they really should be 0-2 at this point. But I think they're going to bounce back and I think the offense is going to be, if not great, very good. And they're going to put up a lot of points in this game. And I think they're going to be able to do just what I said, which is they're going to be able to play from ahead in this game. And that's going to be good for the defense. And that's going to be good for Jay Ajayi. And I'm picking the Dolphins to win this game 31 to 24. Wow. All right. Um, I think that the Dolphins are going to get something going offensively. I think they're going to score some points in this game. But I feel like they are probably not going to be able to stop the onslaught of scoring from the New Orleans Saints. So I am going to say that the final score of this one, New Orleans 38, Miami 27. That's uh, that's the score I'm going with here. I so, like it. So we both like the over. Yes. So go ahead I, and bet the over on this game. Well, I mean... Sure. If you want to if you want to take our sporting advice, our gambling advice for for all the degenerate gamblers out there like the brain. I mean, if you're if you're listening to this show, you you want our advice. You, you trust our analysis. <laughs> either. I mean, either you trust our analysis or you think that we're terrible and you just want to mock us. So if, if you if you like us, take the over. And if you don't like us, Take the under. There you go. And uh, either way, leave us a review on iTunes because you should be doing that as well. Leave us the review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud or tweet at us, whatever you want to do. At Same Old Dolphins is the show. If you want to to talk to the brain directly, at Aaron the Brain, I'm at Amplified to Rock uh, on Twitter. So holler at us. You know, we're we're here. We're here for you. Send us a picture of the the betting slip. That's right. uh, You know, give us a cut of all the winnings. And if you lose, it's not our fault. That's right. That's right. So uh, before we wrap up the show this week, it, we have to do our This Week in Miami Dolphins history. And uh, to, to start with, I'm going to read from the New York Times from September 30th, 1993. Are you ready for this, Bryn? Lay it on me. Here we go. Miami Dolphins linebacker Brian Cox was fined $10,000 by the National Football League yesterday for making obscene gestures to the crowd before Sunday's game at Buffalo. He plans to appeal. Miami coach Don Shula said he had no objection to the fine, but Cox said his side hasn't been heard. He spent much of the week before the game talking about his hatred for Buffalo and was greeted by agitated fans when he walked onto the field. Cox responded by waving the middle finger of both hands at the crowd and his gestures were shown on national television. He said he was sorry the obscene gestures were seen beyond his intended audience. Brian Cox put up the middle fingers walking onto the field at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo in 1993. So that is, gosh, 24 years ago, 24 years ago this week, 
Unbelievable how time flies, Bryn. Now, Cox, uh, as it turns out, ended up suing the league because he said he was being subjected to racist chants and, and racist jeers from the Buffalo crowd. He, he said people called him the N-word and threatened to kill him. Uh, so he, he sued the NFL, uh, a, a case in which he actually ended up winning eventually. Um, and the NFL did take some ownership over the fact that they uh, were a little bit lax in security. Um, so a, a throwback this week to one of one of our favorite old school Dolphins, Brian Cox, one just an absolute character on and off the field. Uh, you know, he was one of those linebackers back in the day that had the big uh, ironing board sticking out of the back of his shoulder pads, um, and he was just an always an energetic figure. It also, as it turns out, that game uh, against the Bills on the first possession of the of the game after flipping off the fans in Buffalo. Uh, Brian Cox went on to sack Jim Kelly on the opening possession of that game, and the Dolphins ended up going on to win. So, um, a, 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 an, a, an interesting, I guess an eccentric this week in Dolphins history this week, uh, and it, it's great because the Dolphins ended up winning. So, hey, maybe they'll uh, end up winning on Sunday, although in both of the this week in Dolphins history that we mentioned last week, the Dolphins ended up victorious. And, well, the, the football game on Sunday did not turn out the way that we would have wanted it to. But anyway, Brian, you care to share any of your favorite memories about Brian Cox? Well, not only uh, just about Brian Cox, but, I mean, you know, and he was a really good linebacker for the Dolphins for for a few seasons. I want to say like four, five, six seasons he was he was on the Dolphins and he was always really good, but he was as as great as he was and as much as you could count on him to come up with with a couple of big plays, you could also count on him just about every single game to cost the team with a 15 yard personal foul or unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and they would always come at the most inopportune time. Uh, so that's my memory about Brian Cox, but also just the memory of how good that Dolphins-Bills rivalry was in yeah. the early 90s. Because it's been a long time since the Dolphins-Bills rivalry has had any juice. And Well, for- that was back in the day where every season it was really about the Dolphins or the Bills and who was going to be the team that came out of the AFC East. And it was those two teams. And, you know, it was it was the Bills always, you know, getting the better of it, you know, up to and including the year the Dolphins hosted the AFC championship game at Joe Robbie Stadium and got just stomped by the Bills. They just could not get a handle on Thurman Thomas. Yeah, literally and figuratively. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that rivalry was so great. And the the crazy thing about that is, is that, you know, sometimes it was like in the regular season, the dolphins would get the better of the bills, but then you'd get to the playoffs and, and the dolphins would always, would always, uh, struggle in the postseason, especially against Buffalo. Uh, they just had no answer for Jim Kelly and, 
those Bills defenses were better than any of the Dolphins defenses. The Bills defenses oh, back yes. then with Cornelius Bennett and Bruce, Bruce Smith, Smith oh. and Daryl Talley and Mark Kelso. And, those were good I teams. Mean, it was, it, the, I mean, the, I, there was a reason that that Bills team made it to four straight Super Bowls. They didn't win any, but that was one of the best teams. I mean, still, it's the only team in NFL history to get to the Super Bowl four times in a row. So it's really one of the most underrated teams and underappreciated teams in NFL history, that run that the Bills went on with Marv Levy as their coach. And in those years, the Jets and Patriots were perennial doormats in the AFC East. So it was just always a war when those two teams got together and the fan bases had no love loss. And obviously fan base had no love loss for Brian Cox, uh, nor was there any love loss the other way around. Yeah. I mean, it was really, that was, that was the rivalry for a long time. And now, nowadays really as a dolphin fan, the, the, the rivalry game is really the jets now it it seems like that's that's the big one i mean you go up and you you have the patriots game and you always really want to beat the patriots and you always really want to get their divisional games you want to beat the bills you want to beat the patriots but it seems like in recent years that the rivalry that's had the most juice is uh, that jets rivalry especially as you know people who are in south florida and and have been in that stadium for dolphins jets games it's it's a different energy when the jets come to town or when the dolphins uh head to new jersey to take on the jets always a different energy at least that's where it is now but who knows uh if the dolphins are able to right the ship the bills are looking i think better than folks may have expected although granted it's still pretty early in the season who knows maybe someday that that uh, rivalry will once again have the juice that it had in the past but uh that's going to wrap up this episode of the same old dolphin show brain so uh big game coming up in london this weekend we'll we'll take a look we'll we'll see what happens hopefully the dolphins will deliver uh i'm not optimistic because i have watched the dolphins for a long time and they always seem to let you down when you start getting really excited about them so i'm, I'm keeping my keeping my expectations low because I, I have this sneaking suspicion that this team is still the same old Dolphins. But if they're the same old Dolphins, you know, it, like do I've it. said do a million it. times. You're going you're gonna to regret it. You're going to regret but, it. Yeah, but, Don't do it. But the same old Dolphins thing to do isn't to fall out of it in September. The same old Dolphins thing to do is lose when you're expected to win and win when you're expected to lose. And at the end of the day, you're eight and eight. Right. Well, or seven and nine or there or thereabouts. Right. And either way, yes. on the outside, looking in at the end of the season. We'll see what happens. Brain, why don't you remind the people where they can find you? Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain, like you said earlier. Also on DolphinsReport.com. Make sure to check that out. We'll have some big articles coming up in the in preview of this game on Sunday. And I think uh, I'm settling into a nice routine of just doing a longer piece once a week where I just kind of review the game. So look for my piece to be up. Uh, I'm going to try to get it up 
you know, write it on Sunday night, maybe early Monday and have it up by no later than Monday afternoon on DolphinsReport.com. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the uh, article that you did this week uh, recapping the Jets game. If if you are in South Florida or if you are from South Florida, whether or not you're still there, if you, if you spent any real amount of time in South Florida, you'd need to check out this uh, piece that Aaron, that the brain wrote for uh, Dolphins on Scout. It's uh, dolphinreport.com, a great, <laughs> a really good article. And uh, the metaphor that the brain uses to describe this Dolphins offense is something that any South Floridian will appreciate. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Amplified to Rock. Don't forget to follow the show at Same Old Dolphins. We love interacting with everybody on Twitter, on, on game days, and throughout the week as well. Uh, you should download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us a comment. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. It, we really, really appreciate it if you take the time to do that. It helps us out a great deal as we uh, as we move forward with this show and uh, as we try to make it better each week. That's going to wrap us up for this one. So uh, we'll uh, keep our eyes on this game in London and we'll be back early next week to recap the Dolphins versus Saints. In the meantime, for Aaron the Brain, this is Josh. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!